Ladies and gentlemen, grunts and girls, welcome to episode 23 of Bolts to Beans. As always, I'm your host, Doc Joslin. We are a week away from the most important election in the United States. Our show this week, we're going to talk about two different forms of isolation and what's going on in America. Mandated isolation by uh, the pandemic and then isolation created by echo chambers that we create around ourselves. We're going to review some uh, coffee from Third Day Coffee, Seguin, once again this week. Great roaster, Christian Veteran Roasting Company out of Seguin, Texas. So that's our show today, folks. Stand by. It's coming up. Bullets to Beans, your weekly military and veteran podcast with Doc Joslin. The Weekly Grind. So funny story before we get into this week's grind. I attempted to record episode 23 about two weeks ago, but I was right in the middle of coronavirus myself. So I woke up, I opened up the sample packet that was sent to me and uh, I couldn't smell anything. So I went to a, one of my go-tos that I, I know the, the aroma profile and everything very well, opened that up and again, nothing. In the spirit of being a warrior, I tried to persevere and move forward. I brewed up a pot. I tried to sit down and develop a flavor profile and figure it out. Nothing. So this is the second time uh, that I'm reviewing this coffee. It comes to us again from Third Day Coffee, Seguin, and Jose Alanis and his, uh, his company. He's a veteran and Christian coffee roaster out of Texas. This week's grind, the blend is called Strong and Courageous. The name comes from a Bible verse, Joshua 1.9. And if you look right above me on the YouTube version of this, you can see the verse. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What a great verse and what a great name for this blend. So let's get into the coffee. Uh, you can see, I switched the screen. You can see their website. They've got their store. I want to really let folks know about Third Day Coffee. I'm really impressed with what they've got going on. These little sample bags you can get, they sell uh, a sample pack, three different blends for three bucks. So a buck for a little sample pack. So strong and courageous is I got my smell and taste back and could actually figure the coffee out. Uh, the aroma was kind of mildly sweet, almost like a dark caramel. The taste is mild. Okay. This is not one of those staunch, strong, overburnt coffees. Uh, it starts off with kind of a, a subtle chocolate woody kind of bite to it. Uh, it's not bitter at all. It's got uh, what I would call a balanced acidity and it finished with an almost floral sweetness. It just, it's just a nice, smooth, well-flavored, well-balanced coffee that sat nicely on my palate, made me really want to drink more of it. Uh, so strong and courageous, from Third Day Coffee Seguin. You can find them at thirddaycoffeeseguin.com. Uh, we've got two more roasts from them that we'll be doing in the next two shows. Uh, so that's the grind this week, folks. Thirddaycoffeeseguin.com. Check them out. Born from the passion of taking care of our nation's veterans and warriors, Remedy Alpine, owned, operated, and staffed by veterans, provides a variety of therapeutic adventure and backcountry recreation programs ranging from single-day hikes to multi-day, multi-night mountain treks and even basic mountaineering adventures. For more information, visit them at www.remedyalpine.org. Remedy Alpine, reminding you to work the mountain and rest your mind. All right, folks. So in the first segment, I want to talk about coronavirus. First of all, I just got over it. 
if you heard in um, the weekly grind, I talked about not being able to do the show a couple weeks ago because I had coronavirus. Got up on a Saturday to record like I normally do. Uh, I had zero sense of taste or smell. I was running 101 fevers. Uh, I was running fevers for about a week and a half. It just generally felt like shit. But I'm here, so obviously it wasn't that bad. There is a little bit of residual stuff in my chest. Uh, just randomly get short of breath, feel like I can't catch my breath. I still cough and shit up. But my personal experience with it was it's, it's kind of like having the flu, except I lost my, my sense of taste and smell. Uh, and it was annoying. It really came at an unopportune time and a very inconvenient time with what was going on with work and everything. I don't think there's ever a good time to schedule being sick. I wish we could schedule being sick. I wish we could say, okay, you've got to have 10 days that you're sick this year and we just schedule it. That way it's more convenient, but that doesn't happen. So I lived through it. You know, it's kind of the typical medic thing, right? Army medics, best way to get it, the best way to study a disease is to get it. That way you know what it's like from the patient's perspective. I know what coronavirus is like now, at least for me. Uh, my wife got it. Both my kids got it. Uh, everyone's recovered. Everyone's healthy. But I, and I don't want to diminish the disease. I don't want to take away from it and say that it's not deadly. People are obviously dying from it. That's true. But I think as we learn more about it as a healthcare system, uh, we're learning how to defeat it. And I think it might be mutating and not be as strong as what it once was. So it is what it is. Again, I've not changed my position or my stance on it. It's real. Uh, you can obviously get it and you should take it serious. The things that I did, you know, it's a virus. So you treat the symptoms. And I wasn't uh, on that top tier list like the president was, so I didn't get any special medication. Used Tylenol and naproxen to to treat the fevers and the body aches. And uh, I doubled up on antihistamines to control the congestion and just the buildup of sinus drainage and stuff to make sure I didn't get stuff down into my, my chest and develop an ammonia as best as I could. So I used Zyrtec, one other, I can't remember right now. Citrazine and fexafenidine, uh, the medical names, I don't remember, the, or the trade names, I don't remember the actual uh, over-the-counter names. But yeah, you treat the symptoms, right? Uh, and made sure I took a multivitamin, increased uh, zinc and magnesium, B12, keep my energy up, and then lots of fluids. You know, it kind of the same way that you treat the flu or you treat a cold. So anyway, I had coronavirus. I survived it. My whole family had it. We all survived it. Take it serious, uh, but don't freak out about it. Uh, I had a lot of people from work and from social circles reaching out. Oh my God, are you okay? Like I, I was like, it's, it's a cold guys. It, it's really, it's not that bad. Never in the back of my mind did I question my mortality. Did I think that this disease was going to kill me? I've had people that I know end up in the ICU. I know how serious this could get, but that just never crossed my mind. So take it for what it's worth. We're going to talk about another side of coronavirus. If you search for this on Google, Safari, you know, any any search engine, you'll find studies going back to May of this year on the impact that the pandemic is having on anxiety, depression, and suicide. And it's not just in America. Uh, there was an article back in, I think, in July that there was an increase in anxiety, depression, and suicide rates in men in Nova Scotia. Just a week and a half ago, the VA released uh, a statement about a 20% increase in veteran suicide during the pandemic. And this is where I need people to open their mind and actually think, right? Anxiety, depression, suicide, 
one of the one of the core issues that that lead to it is isolation. We've been in a six to eight month forced isolation across the United States and outside the United States as well. Yes, people are dying of coronavirus, but now people are dying of isolation. People are dying of anxiety, depression that lead to suicide. They walk down that path. What do we want people to die of? One disease is controllable. The other disease is controllable. I, I, I think this is an argument that hasn't been made very vocally as another reason, not just for the economic prosperity of our country and local economies, but for the health and welfare of our community is another reason to lift the coronavirus restrictions. People are literally killing themselves because of the forced isolation. As I was talking to my own therapist, um, if you listen to episode one, two, three, uh, I make no secret of it that that I seek therapy. Um, everyone should if you have any challenges. Uh, again, this is targeted towards a veteran community. So if uh, I encourage people to seek um, the appropriate level of behavioral health therapy, whether that be medication treatment, group therapy, individual one-on-one, whatever, whatever works for you, figure that out and seek that out. In speaking with my therapist a week and a half ago, you know, and, and I was explaining to her that I kind of dipped down in my anxiety. I, I, I hit a hit a low with anxiety and depression because I was forced into isolation. I couldn't socialize. I, you know, Remedy Alpine, my project company that I own with two other veterans, uh, we had to cease operations for a while. We couldn't get into the mountains and have our programs, which was another form of therapy for me. All that shut off and it shut off so fast. It was almost like when you take yourself off medications immediately and rapidly. That has a very dramatic and dangerous impact and effect as well. That's what shutting off society did with coronavirus. And what she shared with me in response was that in talking with other veterans that she works with, that this is a common theme. This is something that is happening across the entire veteran space. Veterans are worse off now because of the pandemic as it relates to their their dealing of anxiety and depression than what they were prior to the pandemic and the social mandates that were put out. It's time that we reconsider what's more deadly. Is the virus actually that deadly? And when you look at normalized infection rates and death rates, and I'm not going to get into the debate about people who had underlying conditions and comorbidities that died with coronavirus. Did they actually die of coronavirus or die with coronavirus? They died and coronavirus was a contributing factor. But, but how deadly is it? How many people a day are dying because of coronavirus or because of isolation created by coronavirus pandemic mandates? If the VA put out a couple of weeks ago that there's been a 20% increase in veteran suicide during the pandemic, I know everybody holds on to the 22 a day number and I've, I've debunked that a couple of different times. If you actually read the veterans uh, report on suicide, the 2019 veterans, uh, the VA commissioned report on veteran suicide, that the, the number is actually 16.8 a day. 16.8 veterans a day are killing themselves. This is before the pandemic. Since the pandemic, if there's been a 20% increase, that's actually gone up to 20 a day. So 20 and a half call it 20 or 21. So we're actually closer to the 22 a day number now because of the pandemic. So if in a subsect of our society, in a, in a small section of the society, four to five additional people a day are dying because of the mandates, the social isolation created 
by the restrictions put in place to counter coronavirus, if that's just in the veteran community, how many veterans a day were dying of coronavirus versus how many veterans a day are dying of isolation? We need to take a hard look at that. And then when you add back in the factors of we collapsed our economy, the strongest our economy had been in decades, we collapsed it in 40 days with social mandates. I think we know enough about the disease. The FDA just uh, approved Revisivir or whatever it's called. A new antiviral drug is a coronavirus treatment. Uh, I think that's the one that they used uh, on the president and that proved to work well and fast. I'm not going to entertain the conspiracy theorists from the left you know, typically they blame the right side for the conspiracy theory, but the left is full of them too. And one of the ones floating around the internet that I've seen is that the president never even had coronavirus, that it was all fake. Uh, fuck off with that. We've got an antiviral treatment for it. We, people are actually dying of the isolation. We've collapsed our economy. Enough is enough. We've got to actually look at what's best for our country and the economy the recovery, the recovery of the economy, the recovery of our health, our behavioral health system sucked before. And then you just created a behavioral health nightmare by isolating everybody. I would encourage you though, as a call to action, reach out to your legislators, do some research, fact check me. Fact checking seems to be the wave of 2020. Fact check me, look at the statistics. And then I would invite you to take those statistics to your city council, to your state legislators into your U.S. legislators, to your senators and your congressmen in D.C. Open their eyes to how people are actually dying. Just as many people, I would, I would venture to say, just as many people are dying from suicide or secondary to anxiety and depression-related illnesses or causes as the actual disease itself. So how do we want people to die? That's, that's what you've got to ask yourself. How do you want people to die? Do you want them to just smoke themselves so they don't die of coronavirus? Or do you want to treat and encourage, you know, a strong behavioral health program that people might get coronavirus, which is treatable. It's tre more treatable now than ever, especially with the FDA approved antiviral treatment. I, if it was me, I would rather take my chances and have a fulfilled life and a strong economy where everyone prospers and take my chances just like I take my chances every day with influenza with a common cold, with strep throat. And let me tell you, I had strep throat uh, at a family reunion a few years ago. I think it was back in 2006. And that shit fucking put me on my ass. 103 fevers. My wife and my cousin took care of me on my uncle's couch. The whole family reunion that we were there for the holidays, I couldn't do shit. I don't even remember half of it. I was so delirious from fevers and just being completely wiped out. Strep throat. People get strep throat all the time. Nobody thinks about that. I mean, that that was probably the sickest I'd ever been. The, the two times I think I've been sickest in my life were both from strep throat, right? Nobody thinks about that. We don't shut the economy down over strep throat. We haven't shut the economy down over flu. People aren't killing themselves because of influenza. So fact check me, make sure I'm right, make sure I'm not part of the problem, that I'm part of the solution, and get involved. I've said this a couple of shows now. Get involved. Talk to your Start at the base level and work up. Again, go back three episodes. Our, our choice is liver cancer or pancreatic cancer right now, right? At the highest level of our government, at the executive level, in a week and a half, we have to make a decision between which cancer we want. Start at the local level. You're going to get your economy opened at the local level. Start at your city, your city council, your county council. Start with your, your governor, your state legislature, and work your way up. Veterans in our community... You've got to get with your senators 
and your congressmen that sit on the congressional panels and the congressional committees that deal with veterans' rights, veterans' health care, and encourage them to look at the secondary effects that were created with this pandemic when we shut everything down. It's time to open back up. It's time to allow people to live their lives, not just for the economy. That's huge. But when we're talking about veterans' lives and veterans' suicide, nobody has the the right answer on how to fix veteran suicide as a problem. But you can fix part of it. You can fix 20% of it right now. Stop forcing veterans into isolation. Stop forcing an increase in anxiety and depression because you shut off every social outlet available to a veteran. Stand by. We'll be back with the next segment in just a moment. So in our second segment today, I want to continue on with the theme of isolation. The first segment we talked about socially mandated isolation and kind of the problems created around the coronavirus pandemic. Well, on top of the coronavirus pandemic, we're in an election year and our country's never been this divided. And so one of the other things that's creating isolation is echo chambers. So if you're not familiar with the term echo chamber, here's the the basic premise. Uh, People that only surround themselves with opinions and viewpoints that are similar to theirs. So the only thing that they want to hear is what echoes their sentiment or their belief or their ideology. So it's an echo chamber. They surround themselves and build walls around themselves. So the only thing that they hear is things that feel good and sound good that they agree with. That's completely contradictory to the fabric of the United States of America. And as a veteran show, it's completely contradictory for the freedoms and the rights that we all fought to protect and preserve. And what's really troubling is... When I see on social media, which is a very divisive, dangerous tool, when I see veterans creating echo chambers, one, that's, again, contradictory to what we all served for. And secondly, that's creating more isolation. If you're building barriers and building walls around yourself and excluding people because you don't necessarily like what their viewpoint is, and and there's a difference between toxic behavior I've separated myself from certain people that I believe that their behavior was toxic, not because I didn't like what they had to say. I felt what they had to say was dangerous, was divisive, was completely irrational and wrong. And you can you can have your own opinion, but you can't have your own facts. And when people start wanting their own facts and at least won't uh, agree that there can be differing opinions, that's different. And I can understand where people would build maybe some barriers or some some boundaries around that. But when people just shut others out because they don't want to hear what they have to say, uh, especially if what other people have to say is true, and they just don't want to hear the truth because it differs with their opinion, that's an echo chamber, okay? And that's divisive. That is an isolationist principle. And think of the damage that that does. Again, we're, we're talking about compounding issues here. We've got a pandemic that's creating more political divide, that's breaking down social norms quicker than anything. And now you've got people stuck in the house, avoiding society by mandate. And then they're, they're, they're reclusing themselves into singular views. That's one of the most dangerous and destructive behaviors that, that I think is the reason why our society is the way it is. And then when you, peep, when you have folks that come out, literally sometimes come out of the basement, they come out swinging, they come out fighting. Uh, they've surrounded themselves with a singular view. Uh, they've surrounded themselves with 
singular principles that don't differ. And then when they come back to society, they get smacked in the face with things that they've avoided, things that they've hidden themselves or things that they just don't believe in and they refuse to agree to disagree on. And it becomes violent. And then you have other folks that see that irrational behavior, that see the echo chamber building, and that are choosing to separate that because they recognize separate themselves from that because they recognize that as a destructive behavior and is a divisive and destructive principle. So then you've got people that will intentionally recluse themselves or, or recuse themselves from everything in society. And then you've got people who feel outcast uh, because they're made to feel that their viewpoint is wrong. And when you, when you add all this up, you've got this, this equation of disaster. And that's not limited to just the veteran community. I know this is a veteran show, but we're just a cross-section of our population. I think we're the best cross-section. I'm a little biased, but we're just a cross-section of the, the community. So it, it's fair to assume or fair to say that the, the issues and challenges that the veteran community is facing, the rest of the community is also facing as it relates to uh, differing political ideologies, echo chambers, the challenges and stresses that are created with forced isolation and the mandates in society because of the pandemic right now. That's not specific to just veterans. Those problems get compounded with some of the other baggage that we carry with us. So I would invite you to think about the way you're interacting on social media. Are you participating in echo chambers? Are you, are you just passively participating in them? Try to stop that. Try to invite differing opinion. We grow when we're uncomfortable. Nobody grows in comfort. You only grow when you're uncomfortable. So we're never going to grow as people. We're never going to grow as a society unless we allow ourselves to be uncomfortable, be open-minded to other thoughts, other ideologies, other principles. I myself have been a victim of echo chamber behavior in the last few months, and I won't get into specific behaviors behind it uh, or people behind it because I respect the people that were involved. I still respect the people that were involved, but the behavior is contradictory to military leadership. Becoming irrational because you don't like what somebody said or you don't understand why somebody found something funny in trying to create divisiveness or break relationships altogether over one simple post or one simple completely misunderstood interaction. It violates the principles of being a leader. It violates the principles of understanding. Um, And if you work in the veteran space and you're trying to create an environment where veterans who aren't very well understood in some cases by the civilian community, so they shelter within the veteran community, because that's where they feel safe, that's where they feel understood, that's where they feel that their, their morbid sense of humor or their, uh, their differing opinion on social constructs might be at least accepted or understood. Uh, when you're in that space, when you're in that veteran community, and then you break that, that bond and you break that trust because you've built an echo chamber and now you've created more isolation within the veteran space, you're just adding to the problem, you're not being part of the solution. As veterans, we should always be seeking to find solutions to help our brothers and sisters out. That's kind of the challenge. Think about, uh, I've said this on a couple shows now going, think about your presence on social media, you know, is, is, is what you're promoting is what you're saying. One, is it factual or is it opinion? And if it's opinion, share, Hey, this is my opinion. I share my opinion all the time, but I I try to lead in with, Hey, my opinion on this is, uh, if it's factually based, then I cite facts. I try to cite resources and I've been more, I've, I've tried to become more responsible about that, knowing that people within my network 
are guilty of echo chambering, that there are people that because of the, the divisive nature of media and what's happening in our country, because it's such um, an important election year and all the problems that we've got in our country right now are compounded by this pandemic. Uh, I try to be responsible in my media, in my posting. Uh, I, I shut down for a while. I talked about that last episode. Uh, I would invite people to think twice before they just rush to to post, before they rush to like. I've frustrated some folks because I've called them out on on misinformation. But if you if you want to be considered a leader within your community, if you want to be considered a leader within your group, then try to be a little bit more responsible and, and think about things that you're posting. If you want to be a follower, then by all means, follow all day. But just understand that sometimes when you're just a follower and you're not thinking for yourself, people will walk you off a cliff and you're just going to follow them right behind them. Today, the, the the summary of today's show is kind of about two different forms of isolation and what's being done about it. And as a veteran, uh, I encourage you to find out different ways that, that you can break down the isolation. Isolation is just creating more problems for our community. Second segment's kind of short. Uh, hang tight. We'll be back in just a moment. We'll close the show out, folks. So that's our show this week, folks. A couple of days away from probably one of the most important elections in American history. Think about what you're doing. Think about the isolation that you create. Think about the isolation that you're in personally. Think about ways that you can break that down. Rejoin society. Encourage people to be a part of society. On a closing note about the election, I'd encourage you to think about who you're voting for and not who you're voting against. If you're voting for Joe Biden because you believe that his platform, his ideology is the best for America, no matter what I what I believe and what I agree with, if that's what you think is the best for America, then that's your vote and that's a good vote, right? I don't have to agree with it. If you think Donald Trump is the best thing for America and that's your vote because it's what you're voting for, then that's a good vote. But if you're voting against Joe Biden, if you're voting against Donald Trump, You shouldn't be voting against things. You should be voting for things. That's the show. Those are my parting thoughts. So uh, if you like the show and the content, please uh, like, listen, subscribe, share. Uh, You can drop us a line at bullets2beans at gmail.com. You can find us at bullets2beans on Facebook. We're bullets2beans on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We've got a Facebook or um, a YouTube channel. Send us some feedback. We have a website, bullets2beans.com. We run a weekly blog. Tune in next week. We should have more content. Uh, We appreciate the followers. Thanks for everything that you do. And uh, remember, stay frosty, folks. Bullets to Beans is an official media production of Lifeline Media, LLC, Eagle River, Alaska. 